Creative Elite Arts Company, located in Chicago, Illinois, and Dallas, Texas. We're your one-stop shop for everything art. We teach all the genres of dance, instrumental, and vocal music, modeling, culinary arts, drums and drill, and so much more. Check out our website at creativeelitesartcompany.com. Like and follow us on social media outlets or call us today. 312-756-9647. Join us in our mission to change the world one child at a time. Creative Elite Arts Company. Let the show begin. Damn, y'all feel that? Oh. This is the Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. Check it out. The number one show focusing on HBCU news. Hey. With guests, Ooh. entertainment, Ladies and, and surprise co-hosts. You put me in an awkward situation. Now, here is your host, Ken Finesse Media. That's right, that's right. Welcome back. Another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. I'm your host, Cam Finesse Media, and just like the weeks before and just like this entire season, we're bringing you something brand new. And this week, definitely, we got someone that's finessing the game. This week, our guest for this episode is my good friend, TV host, um, and also pop culture commentator, Mr. John Murray, representing that D.C. area. So can't wait to talk to John uh, tonight. Uh, to pick his brain, you know the inauguration, things went crazy in D.C., and so all that John has uh, t- feedback on, I'm sure. So that's what we're doing later in this episode, talking to Mr. John Murray. Also, he's an alumni from Norfolk University, so that's super cool because y'all know I rock out with HBCUs every week. If this is your first time tuning in, uh, every week on the Finesse Media Podcast, I spotlight HBCUs, so shout out to Licious from Howard University last week to check in with us and gave us his perspective about Howard University, and I, of course, played with that, and I'll say it right now because I have HBCU of the week is Hampton University as I was playing with uh, Licious last week saying the real HU, only because my fraternity, you guys know, Phi Beta Sigma, founded at Howard University, so I'm a little bit biased towards Howard, so that war between the HU, I can't technically be a part of, but if I may throw my name in the hat, it would be for Howard University, but I'm going to get off of that soapbox because I'll tell you, this would be uh, a very disservice and disrespect to my guest who's joining me from Hampton University uh, talking about his HBCU experience. Ty, can't wait to talk to that brother uh, about his experience uh, at Hampton. I've never uh, even been to Virginia, so this is really cool. So uh, Norfolk University is being represented uh, later in the episode by way of John Murray and then before we even get into that, it's time for the HBCU of the Week with Hampton University. Here we go. Let the show HBCU, baby. Historically black colleges and universities commonly called HBCUs are defined by the Higher Education Act of 1965 as any historically black college or university that was established prior to 1964 whose principal was and is the education of black Americans and that is accredited by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association determined by the Secretary of Education. It's now time for the Finesse Media Podcast, HBCU of the Week. And you know I'd be lying if I didn't say that this is the favorite, my favorite part of the podcast. Uh, HBCUs are very important to me, and each and every week I have someone on to talk about their experience at their HBCU because I can talk about it, I can tell you about it, um, but I thought it was more important to have somebody to talk about it that attended the university. So without further ado, joining me for the first time on the Finesse Media Podcast Season 3 is by way of Hampton University, brother of Brother of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, so we're definitely going to welcome him in, welcome him in as my Greek brother. Welcome to the podcast, Ty. What's up, bro? Hey, how are you? I'm good. Listen, Doc, thank you so much for tapping in and joining this space, joining the podcast. 
to talk about Hampton University. So we're going to get right into it, man. Let our listeners know, you know, what years did you attend uh, Hampton University? So I attended Hampton University from August 2014 to May of 2019. And no, I graduated on time. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely like, wait, 2019, you must be the most recent graduate uh, of all of the uh, HBCUs who have come on uh, this uh, podcast. So, man, I, I, I'm so happy that you came on because you can give us the most recent yard experience, heel experience. My fam, you say the, the highest of heaven heels. So depending on where you are, but you are the real HU, I'm going to say it. But, no, I played with Howard last week, man. I was like, yo, y'all the real HU. Rivalry has been going on, I guess, with the names with y'all for a while, huh? Yeah, that's – there's an interesting story behind it. You know, what I will say is people go back and forth about the real HU, who's the real HU. One side usually starts it. I'm not going to say who. But I will say it's not us. (laughs) And it really should be the topic of, you know, we're both HU. What are we both doing? How are we bettering? What's really going on here? You know, one school is the better HU. You know, Mm -hmm. possibly Hampton. Yeah, but I think it's. I think it's super fun. I, 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 honest to goodness, if I was a part of either school, I would, I would really play with it in the most fun way. Just like we're gonna play with Alpha Phi Alpha and Phi Beta Sigma and and, and, and that whole bit. So you're at campus. Uh, tell our listeners when did you pledge Alpha Phi Alpha? What year were you initiated? So unfortunately, I am not a member of the Gamma Iota chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha. Much love to them. Some of my best friends are. Me, NGI, I'm a member of the Hampton Alumni Chapter. I became a member in the spring of 2020 through the Distinguishable Delta Beta Lambda Chapter, which is seated in Hampton, Virginia. So, you know, okay. not Hampton University okay. Alpha, but Hampton, Virginia. Man, it's all love, Ty. It's all love. You gave that information. We ain't asking. We just want to know. You know what I'm saying? So it's all love for me. I, I When I meet brothers in the street, man, I'm just like, hey, bro, what's going on? I care less. Like when you came through, was the grad chapter? But that's really cool because that means you're focused or at least I'm assuming. So you mentioned or alluded to you did graduate on time. So you're focused on campus. What was your major? I was an architecture major. So if you don't mind, can I just throw a little feel in about Hampton's architecture program? Absolutely. Share. Please share. So Hampton's architecture program is a five-and-a-half-year straight-through master's program. So I graduated in 2019 on time with my master of architecture. So a lot of people say, oh, well, you started in 2014, you graduated in 2018. And I'm like, no, I graduated in 2019. And they're like, oh, so you graduated late. No, I graduated on time with a master's. Thank you very much. There you go. There you go. That's super amazing. And so that program, is it kind of one at, at few HBCUs, or is Hampton kind of in the list of HBCUs that have that fantastic, but it sounds like architecture program? There is a small list. We are um, – forgive me, I, don't, I can't give you the exact count, but I can list off some school – but I can tell you it's definitely less than 10. For In order to major in architecture at HBC, you have your pick of Hampton University, Howard University. Um, you can get a bachelor's at FAMU. You can study landscape architecture at Morgan State. You can study architecture at Prairie View. And I believe there's an additional one or two in there. Okay. Oh, that's super amazing, man. So being at Hampton, what made you choose Hampton? Where are you from? I mean, shout that part out, too. We definitely want to represent where you're from. Okay. I'm actually from Norfolk, where Norfolk State University is located. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. So, you know, I do have love for Norfolk State. I have family and friends that have attended Norfolk State. I actually do a lot of work with Norfolk State's campus, as a matter of fact. So, um, In regards to what made me choose Hampton, actually, Hampton's the one school I got in. I applied to schools as far north as New York, as far west as St. Louis, as far south as Georgia, and I wasn't a bad student. I graduated number 22 in my class, 1660 on my SATs back when they went that high, Um, 27 on my ACT, four AP courses, 3.35 GPA, and a few extracurriculars. So, you know, I was a good student. But I really think 
I needed to be at Hampton. So it was kind of like, I was a little bummed that I was going to Hampton, but it really turned out to be what I needed and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great follow-up question because typically I kind of ask, you know, that question. When was the moment on campus for you where you where you realized making the decision to attend Hampton was the right decision? Do you remember that moment or experience you had while being on campus as a student? I do, I do. So my original mindset from August of 14 was I'm going to do one year here and I'm going to transfer. I don't feel like being here. But then I was working in the dorm. I was doing work study, and I saw this guy who I thought was one of my other friends. And I was like, oh, hi, Larry. And then he turned around, and I realized, oh, that's not Larry. But he was such a good sport about it, and he kind of stayed along with it. And we became really good friends after that. Being frank with him, I met more people, and I really realized, you know, being at Hampton isn't that bad. It's really enjoyable. I had so much fun freshman year, and I was like, you know, this is home. You know, I have these friends now. I'm doing my work in my major. I'm getting where I need to go. Plus, it doesn't help that my aunt is also a Hamptonian, and she really, like, kind of pushed it and was like, you you should do this, you should do that. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, it really, once I sat there and kind of let myself experience Hampton, for what it is rather than a stepping stone to get somewhere else, it really, you know, warmed my heart towards Hampton. And it's been that way ever since. Mm. Yeah. uh, I'm not sure, again, what Hampton calls. I heard you say the Hampton. Hampton, Is it a Hampton night? Oh, A Hamptonian, I think. Did you say a Hamptonian? Yeah. Yeah. A Hamptonian. Uh, I I love Hampton. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was saying a uh, Hamptonite is, it's really a shady term amongst Hamptonians. It's the term used for a resident of the city of Hampton. A Hamptonian is someone who attends Hampton University, attends or has attended. Gotcha. So, no, the, 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 the Hamptonians, that's really cool. That sounds like a nice R&B group that just travels only on the East Coast. But <laughs> that lingo I, I love to learn about um from others from you know from hbcu students because on our campus we have this thing called the lion's den and we do this thing called the roar because we're the golden lions um but then also you know we call ourselves like the yard and things like that so what is some lingo from you know hampton i heard the name but what do you guys call your campus or maybe where your hangout area because we call our hangout area the, the lion's den it's kind of the student union so what's some lingo or some terminology that's used only from uh, or only by Ham, Ham, was it Hamptonians? Hamptonians, yes. So at Hampton, we have this tradition of class names. So if you ask somebody that went to Hampton, oh, what class are you? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm older by over 16. That's part of a campus tradition. We do class names. So the class names on campus now Please. are Ogre by Ogre, Quintessence, and Onyx. So we do that. In addition, like our hangout areas, we have the Sioux, the student center. We have the Harbs or the Slars, depending on who you're talking to. That's the apartment complex directly off campus. Um, there is a bunch of, because Hampton's so diverse, there's a lot of regional slang that comes into play. Like I picked up what, Mo was being at Hampton. When I first heard there, I was like, "What is that?" But then I like kind of started to use it a little more. That's something. Yeah, from like I never heard of that term used before. So what is Mo? Yeah. Honestly, don't even get me started. I'm not from the DMV, and I haven't been around there, so I've kind of forgotten what it means. I'd ask somebody who went to Howard, "What does Mo mean?" But I do remember hearing that thrown across the yard a lot. Um, there's Ooh. See, I feel so old because I haven't experienced Hampton because it was a homecoming this year. Um, yeah. We do talk a lot about, you know, 12 to 2, Collins. So if you hear somebody just talk about 12 to 2 and they didn't go to Hampton, well, if you're talking to somebody who didn't go to Hampton, 12 to 2 is a day party held on Friday between 12 p.m. and 2 p.m. And 
Uh, Holland is a party held on Saturday nights in the Holland Gymnasium that different organizations put on, like the Alphas at Hampton will do a Holland, the Ogre, Fioga class will do a Holland. So there's little bits of stuff going on there. Okay, okay, okay. Well, listen, I won't, I won't try to be a, a fry at all because all of that went over my head. I think you spoke very high level there, Mr. Champion. So I have no idea what that means. So you don't have to worry about me, uh, you know, fraudulent being a Hamptonian. I, but I think uh, the information is, is super good, you know, and cool to know uh, because it's your own world. It's your own, like you said, you have to regional stuff, but it's really good to have your own campus lingo. I love that stuff. But at some point, you got to leave campus. And you, again, yeah. you did five years, so you wasn't there as an extended resident. You got a master's degree in agriculture, uh, agriculture. Oh, architecture, sorry, architecture. architecture. Tell us, tell me. It's fine. Architect, yeah, tell, tell me, our listeners, what the hell are you doing with that degree now? So I am an assistant project manager on the licensure track with the number one purely architectural firm in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So what I do pretty much in this, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. So what I do on a daily basis, I coordinate with our consultants. I assist the project managers on their jobs. I do markups, which basically what that is is we'll get drawings. And it's basically like, you know how when your teacher kind of goes over your rough draft with the red pen? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, you're that the annotator. You're going. <laughs> yeah, and then I also do. So I do out of house coordination and in house coordination. So if there's a project and somebody's like, "Hey, all of these architectural sheets, these issues are wrong," either I'll do them or I'll talk to my team and do them. And I kind of engage with consultants outside more often on lower level things since I'm relatively new. And in addition, I'm putting together some things with my company to really kind of facilitate how we do our internship period. Mm -hmm. So, you know, okay. I'm just trying to be a jack of all trades. No, that, that's super cool, man. Todd, listen, dude, I'm so happy that we connected on this crazy app that everyone's on, Clubhouse. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm very grateful that uh, you, you tapped in and reached out and immediately. I'm like, absolutely. I, I have not, even in season two, um, spotlighted Hampton University. So I appreciate you for joining this episode and, and really represent HU uh, very well. I, I think, you know, having you on as a recent grad, someone who not only graduated with a bachelor's, but kind of like a double degree with a master's, like that's brilliant. And then architecture and agriculture not agricultural, my excuse, excuse me. So I went to the University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. It's a natural state, and agriculture is pushed because it's a land great or a land uh, full of resources Arkansas is. So forgive me for the agricultural reference because that's all I'm hearing when I say that to you. But uh, architecture, I mean, you are a brilliant and smart person who I think, again, came to this platform to deliver that. I didn't know about the, the program at the school. So thank you for sharing, my brother. And uh, I definitely will uh, see you in the hallways. I want to continue to connect. And uh, if anybody that is from Hampton uh, that's listening, uh, again, your school is definitely a revered school at the highest level. Uh, but again, Ty, I appreciate you for joining the podcast. Before you get up out of here, if you care to share, let them know how they can reach you, tap into things that you're doing uh, on your social media platforms. Okay, great. So my Instagram and my Twitter are both double underscore cold. I am the number two I-T-I-O-N, so it should read as cold intuition. That's on um Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, you can go ahead and find me there. Just search up my name, Ty Champion. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one from Hampton University. And if you're into HBCUs, architecture, or the Allied Arts or EDI, feel free to connect with me. Also, find me on Clubhouse. 
Definitely. Everybody's on that damn clubhouse, and but be intentional. Yeah. At least that's what my focus is. So definitely intentional. I, I think, you know, having the space where I was able to connect with you in, I believe, I'm not sure what room, but I try to be in most rooms where it's all about positivity, uh, perhaps the Greek village. I'm not really sure, but that's a really cool space. Mm-hmm. space. That's probably one of my favorite rooms to be in, not because I'm an admin, but really I think it's, it's a great space. Uh, space where uh, Latif, who's a Kappa, uh, created. And again, I mean, it's obvious that, you know, when you put a bunch of Greeks together, there's a multitude, a melting pot of educators and influencers, and just, you know, folks that just want to love on each other. So I'm grateful for that space. But my brother, I will see you in the clubhouse, and uh, I hope that you enjoyed your time on this podcast. If you have anything, literally anything, that I can promote, share, uh, or even talk about on my podcast, feel free to hit me up, and I'll be happy to do it. I thank you, sir. It was great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely, man. That's high. Remember, Alpha Phi Alpha, alumni of Hampton University, joining us on this episode where we spotlight HBCUs each and every week. And if you want your HBCU to be spotlighted, hit me up, finessemediapodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to my website, finessemediagroup.com, hit the contact button, send me a message. I would love to have you on to talk about your experience at an HBCU. With that being said, coming right up after this quick, I got to pay my sponsors, uh, note, I'm having someone on that is, again, an alumni from an HBCU from Norfolk University, TV host, pop culture commentator. This man is filled with so much finesse, and he is somebody I say that's definitely finessing the motherfucking game. Y'all, John Murray is in the building. I can't wait to speak with him. But y'all got to make sure you pay your taxes because either you're paying taxes or you expected a refund. It's almost that season for tax season, so we'll be back. People have never needed financial stability like they do now since the Great Depression of the 1920s. You've worked all year and must file your yearly tax returns. JRB Tax Services are here to make sure families get their maximum refund. JRB Tax Services is a company that puts families first, fast, reliable, dependable. JRB Tax Services. Contact JRB Tech Services now at 469-262-9272 or email bilbotechservices at gmail.com. That's B-I-L-B-O Tech Services at gmail.com. Facebook, Jeremy Bilbo. Instagram, at JRB underscore tech services. started and welcome to another episode of finesse media podcast season three i'm your host ken finesse media and as i mentioned right before the break dc is all in the building uh just before the break we had our um alum from howard university licious to join us and talk about his hbcu experience so thank you licious for doing that but keeping it rolling and keeping it dc and keeping it with the go-go flavor join us for the first time on the finesse media podcast john murray pop culture commentator tv host what's going on doc and welcome again to the podcast so it's the DMV night up in here, huh? <laughs> Listen, it was chicken and mambo sauce or something. I want to talk to you about that. That's in my that's in my topic because you know I'm from Chicago and we love a good mouth sauce. What the heck is mambo sauce? Oh, man, it's like a secret sauce. It's funny because I I love Cheryl Underwood and the talk, and she was talking about how they should have done a DC themed inauguration with like EU and uh, a tribute to Chuck Brown and. She said they should have catering with chicken and mambo sauce. It was really, really funny. But then they, uh, Sharon Osbourne was like, what is mambo sauce? And Cheryl was trying to describe it, and she described it as like, uh, she said ketchup and hot sauce. That ain't, that ain't mambo sauce. <clears throat> it's like this, it's like a, it's like a sweet and sour, kind of tangy, almost hot. It's a secret sauce, man. It's like one of those things. That's, it's native to D.C., and when you get it, you love it, and you dip your chicken and maybe your fries in it. And it's delicious. That's how we do with mouth sauce, uh, John. It's, it's everything. We put it on anything that has a, uh, a plate or, or with a fork. We're going to put it on it, the, the mouth sauce, for those that know. But D.C., let's talk about it. So you born and raised growing up in D.C., uh, Mr. John Murray. So talk to us about that, growing up in D.C. How was that experience? Yeah, man. I, so I was uh, originally born in a little small town called Warrington, Virginia. 
And around the time I was in middle school, my mom was like, yeah, we got to get you out of this small town. You need a better chance at, at surviving in life. So we moved to the suburbs about six miles from downtown D.C. And I was spending summers in the D.C. Uh, uh, in D.C. with my aunt because my aunt Marion lived in the city. And my cousin Maurice was the coolest kid I knew. So hanging out with him and going over there on the weekends and stuff just made me feel like I wasn't a country boy that had migrated <laughs> to the city. Uh, but it was great, man. Like uh, the area that I'm in is, is very multicultural. Uh, uh, the neighborhood that we lived in was a predominantly black neighborhood in the middle of uh, this county, which is one of the most expensive counties in the country. And there's this beautiful like black neighborhood with all these working class, middle class people and uh, uh, a very multicultural environment. The high school that I went to was featured in National Geographic as the most diverse high school in the country. Uh, and so I had a really um, balanced and a very cultural upbringing. Uh, I built beautiful relationships with people that I am still friends with to this very day. Uh, and, and, and having that multicultural upbringing made it so that as I began to go into Hollywood and work in the entertainment industry, I could move uh, and dwell in, in a versatile uh, arrangement of people and cultures and uh, and it's very it aided me also in, in like really traveling the world and stuff. So I am grateful for growing up here. And I'm grateful, man, that I was able to carve out a niche for myself in the entertainment industry uh, from a city that's best known for politics. Yeah. D.C. is Chocolate City. It's a place where a lot of movers and shakers uh, were born. But it's a, little, it's a little white chocolate these days. You know, when they start putting <laughs> old food, Trader yeah. Joe's, and a Starbucks on every corner, the uh, the neighborhood starts to change. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. D.C. <laughs> has certainly changed from what I hear. It's not necessarily the chocolate city as we know it, but I'll still keep it chocolate and authentic. And to, for our hue, as I mentioned right uh, when I brought you on, we had an alumni from Howard University, which is a historically black college. Shout out to our new vice president, Kamala Harris, who is an alumni from Howard University. But you also attended an HBCU, a historically black college, Norfolk University. So definitely want to hear your experience and talk to our listeners about your experience while attending the HBCU. Yeah, so, you know, Norfolk State um, uh, as a, a HBCU down in Norfolk, Virginia. And it's so funny because there are some people who be like, oh, so you stayed home and went to school. And I'm like, no, Virginia <laughs> is a huge state. It was almost three and a half hours away from where I live. Um, but when I was in high school, I went to a summer program at Norfolk State. You know, um, as a kid, I remember growing up watching A Different World on television and uh, just watching the, the experience that they were having in this fictitious, uh, fictitious Hillman College, I wanted to duplicate that when I got to college. And so I went to the summer program my junior year uh, in high school at Norfolk State. It was a two-week program, and I literally had the time of my life. And I made up in my mind then that Norfolk State was the place I was going to go. And I got accepted into a couple of mainstream institutions, but I wanted, my, I wanted my a different world experience, man. And I went down to Norfolk State, and I had a great time. There is a level of nurturing and care and community that comes at, with being at an HBCU. Uh, you also realize that we're not a monolithic people. You know, yep, yep. I, um, uh, you know, there are a, a variety of black people. We're very different. And some you love and some you hate, just like you would with any other race, nationality, and culture. But I had a great time at Norfolk State. Some would say I had a little too much fun at Norfolk State. Uh, <laughs> you know. And, I, you know, again, another place where um, I built great relationships. And, you know, for me, it was ultimately a full circle moment when I got into the entertainment industry uh, and started having a level of success because I ultimately got to participate in TV One's Unsung Hollywood about a different okay. world where I got to talk about mm -hmm. going to HBCU and how a different world was the show mm -hmm. that really encouraged me to have the HBCU experience. Absolutely. Go yeah. ahead, Doc. I'm sorry. So, John, with all the recent events that have occurred with the pandemic and just everything that's going on, how has it affected how you report what's going on with, within entertainment, the events that are occurring? Or has it affected how you report things? You know, so um, I'm in a place in my career now where I have the duality of doing traditional hosting. I have a, a digital series that's been airing on Travel Channel called Nightfall New York with John Murray. And that's the space that I really want to do more, more of the traditional hosting, the Regis Spillman, Tom Bergeron, Montel Williams, Arsenio Hall space. That's my dream of being able to uh, do that in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a more wider variety. But I also love the commentary space. And so I have been doing some cable news and some appearances and things where I do get to bring perspective and knowledge and insight 
on everything from pop culture, the intersection of pop culture and politics, and then some society issues like what we've been seeing, seeing with the Black Lives Matter protests and things like that. Um, you know, one of the things that I uh, pride myself on is being unapologetically Black. And sometimes, you, you know, it is a uh, challenge to be unapologetically Black in a way that you can convey your struggle, the challenges, and the plight of our culture and our community in a way that's non-threatening, uh, that's enlightening and engaging uh, to, to the broader American culture. And so um, I've been just really sensitive about uh, making sure that I don't dim my light and dim my Blackness when I have to talk about the things going on in the world. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of international cable TV lately, which I really, really enjoy. And, you know, and so sometimes talking to them is a little different because there's certain things I can say that really connect here in the U.S. or certain language or uh, just, just the way that we communicate that's very uh, domestic. But internationally, I have sometimes talk in broader terms and, 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 and speak in a way that I know that the international world can understand. And so I'm just really... Um, sensitive about making sure that in all things I can convey uh, how proud I am about being a black man and, and, and enlighten the viewing audience and the people who are paying attention to the challenges that we face, the sensitivities of these times, and help them to uh, become allies and embrace our struggle. Oh, definitely. So with that being said, what should we be looking out for as far as actors, entertainment? What is the buzz? What should we have, should be looking out for? What should we have our ears open to? You know, there are a lot of uh, new and interesting things happening in the business. You know, the business is, is working in slow motion right now. You know, the pandemic and COVID mm -hmm. has a lot of the TV productions and film productions being delayed. And, uh, but, uh, but a lot of shows are back at work. So uh, I'm excited for, for lots of different things. I'm excited about coming to America finally being released. This yes, Definitely, yes. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. 200 America. I'm excited yes. about seeing that. Um, one of the shows that I was late to that I fell in love with actually back during the holidays uh, was the spinoff of Power, which is Power Book. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. That's been great. I'm excited for more episodes of that. Mm -hmm. And Key Valley, I think Key Valley. Yes. Has been mm -hmm. really good, um, and then um, you know uh, one of my favorite R&B singers, Avery Sunshine, has a live album coming out this year. Mm -hmm. I'm so a fan. I'm, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then there's somebody who uh, one of the things that uh, listen, I love the art. You know, all art. You know, and music is subjective, and uh, the two genres that uh, as I get a little older, I'm finding more appreciation in, which is jazz. And I've I've always had like. A love of jazz, but I'm really kind of becoming like a jazz here. Not so much the instrumentals, because, you know, <laughs> that'll rock me to sleep, but I, I love good jazz with vocals. The other thing that I'm really into uh, is there's some really good country artists out there, and so yeah. I've been rocking hard with this guy named Jill, Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen is so dope to me. Okay. Uh, he looks like Jimmy we can Allen. be friends. Uh, you know, we kind of sometimes got a similar style aesthetic, but he got this new single out called uh, Freedom Was a Highway. Mm. That is, that's mm. my anthem for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, those are some of the things I'm checking for, some of the things coming down the pike. But, you know, I'm really just excited with the multitude and the variety of options we have, whether it's music, film, and TV. There's so many great Black stories from One Night in Miami to Sylvie's yes. Love. And just it, it, I'm excited about uh, the abundance of, of content and culture that we're getting through the arts. Yep. And we seem to have been getting a lot of that in 2020 through the virtual space. A lot of people have been creative and providing the, you know, really the platform really, I guess, to uh, give that great content. And now we're seeing different people kind of come out of the shadows and we're, we're being exposed to a whole lot, but John, You've talked about, you know, being in this industry and, and weighing in on many different topics. When did you realize or what moment did you know that you had to give to Gap? Because, I mean, really, people come to you for your feedback and for your content. But when did you realize you had that talent? Yeah, it's, listen, Ken, it's really dope to make a living doing what used to give me detention when I was in, like, high school and middle school. They'd be like, he talks too much. He won't shut up. <laughs> and it's great now because they pay me to talk and not to shut up. You know what I'm saying? But though my middle school and high school uh, years, I used to envision myself working in this business. You know, I had, um, one of my mom's older sisters, my aunt Gladys, used to babysit me. 
and she loved a lot of vintage programming. So from the time I was a kid, she was watching repeats of like uh, I Love Lucy and uh, Leave It to Beaver and all these shows. Mm-hmm. I Love Lucy was a show that really resonated with me. And, you know, clearly everybody was watching color TV, but it was something special about this black and white show. Mm-hmm. And it was something about the season when uh, Lucy and Ricky went to Hollywood because Ricky got his big Hollywood break. And seeing uh, Hollywood through this old vintage show just always stayed with me. And I always uh, wanted to work in the entertainment industry. I always wanted to spend time in Hollywood because I saw Lucy and Ricky and little Ricky there. And so it was so funny. Um, maybe about six, seven years ago, I checked into this hotel in L.A. called the Avalon. And I kept telling the lady at the front, there's something about this hotel feels very familiar. And I said, is there a movie or TV shows that shot here? And she's like, oh, yeah, we've shot a bunch of stuff here. <laughs> I started going down the list of shows that had shot there and only to find out that that's where they had shot I Love Lucy. Wow. And so yeah. I, was, I knew I recognized the infrastructure <laughs> of this hotel because even though the hotels had different ownerships and had this more contemporary design, it was something about the structure of the balcony around the pool I knew I had been there before, and I had. I'd been there through the television watching I Love Lucy. So that's kind of when I got bit by the bug. And so I was in college getting professional work. You know, I knew that TV wasn't going to be very easy to break into. And I had a professor that said, hey, you're a really good writer. Maybe you should do that on the side. And mm-hmm. writing became a backup plan that opened every door for me, that created so many blessings. And I spent about a good 14 years as a full-time writer, before shifting about five, six years ago and putting my emphasis on my TV career. Uh, and so I'm just grateful, man. Like I, I tell everybody, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know that I would have accomplished the things that I did if I didn't have a vision of a young age of being in this business. And so I, when I speak on panels, when I'm talking to kids, uh, you know, when I'm doing things that I can inspire a younger generation, I tell them to find a vision of what they really want out of life. And that the vision can change, but you've got to be able to see yourself doing things and experiencing things so that you can manifest those things because part of the manifestation for me was having a vision of this career long before mm-hmm. I was even in the business. Yeah, absolutely. Manifestation is real. Uh, words are spells. Words are spells. So whatever you spell out is definitely going to come into fruition. And as you mentioned, being on panels and dropping gems and giving people the knowledge and giving people value, yeah, I see I'm you. Look, I'm, I'm looking at my stuff behind you. I really like that shirt I had on. For those that's listening, I got uh, completely distracted by myself, but I gotta find that shirt. That shirt. Is, look, look at me, kid. Look, turn around. <laughs> that shirt is kind of dope, ain't it? John, where is that from? Do you remember where you got it from? No. Yeah. Uh, you gotta find it though. I it may have been like an H and M or no, I don't know where I got it from. But that's how no, I you definitely get, listen. Not only are you a talented man, you're definitely a dapper man, and you you clean each and every time. I don't Thank know what you, you do in your regular life, but when you when you are on screen, you're not only delivering verbally, but you're giving it to us in the good fashion and the fashion and, sense and here's too. My so. secret. Doing on screen work from home, I'm dapper mm-hmm. for the way stuff. Like, I got on pajama pants right now. Like, really <laughs> well, I'm not going to stand up either. I'm Me not going to stand up. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who's listening uh, and that can't see us, because we are also on uh, Spotify, our Heart Radio, John is talking about a screen in the back uh, where he is wearing something super dapper as he always is. But, John, you're on panels, you're dropping jewels, you're giving knowledge, and you're educating the people, as you mentioned a moment ago. But, Clubhouse, when I was on Clubhouse, House the first two weeks. Shout out to my soror, Sheree Nicole. She's a dope person and all things. Her. Check her out. And but congratulations Sheree, on her new job on the Willie Moe Jr. Yes, show. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So deserving. Yeah. yeah. So she is amazing, and she's a woman of many different talents, and so she's a friend to the show. But she had us on Clubhouse. You and I, I was in a room with you, we were moderating. But Clubhouse, it's a new platform. It's where you can continue to talk, John, and give value and give knowledge to people who want to know about the business or just want to know about, you know, life lessons. What has been your experience so far being on Clubhouse? Because I'm seeing you in the hallways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having a good time on Clubhouse. You know, I, I, I pace myself. I don't get on every day because – there have been a few times that I've gotten on Clubhouse and I felt like I was living the Shirley Murdoch song as we lay. I looked up and it's morning. Like the sun was shining through my windows. And I was like, yo, I didn't realize it was this late. But there have been a couple five, maybe six AM mornings where I just got into a groove and a great conversation with some really cool people. And none of them were really on the West Coast. We all were on the East Coast just uh-huh. really talking that group. Wow. 
So I make sure that I'm, I'm intentional about when I get on now because, you know, it's the top of the year. I'm trying to be productive even in this work for home life. And I don't need too many more of those nights where I get trapped on Clubhouse and the sun is beaming through the blinds. So it's been a great um, app to just kind of have smart conversation, reconnect with some people. And I'm, some people I know that have really benefited from it. Like a buddy of mine was in a room with the uh, legendary motivational speaker, Les Brown. And, they yeah. it, and now Les Brown is helping <clears throat> to publish his first book. So, like, those are the type of things that can happen on Clubhouse if you're using it effectively and having a good time. Now, if you like the ratchet stuff, they got these rooms called Moan Room. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm hey, you go in there and they, they be awfully entertaining each other, huh? Oh. Ain't my vibe, but, you know, it's there if you want it. No. no. <laughs> so, John, if you weren't in the current business that you're in now, what do you think you would be doing? Oh, that's easy. I would probably be, I would probably still be in the entertainment industry, but I would take it a different path. So I would have went to culinary school and become a chef. And oh. then I probably would have ended up becoming one of those celebrity chefs. So I would probably still be on TV. I just would probably be making really dope meals on the Food Network. I love, and that was really my conundrum. Was I going to go into the entertainment industry or was I going to go to culinary school? Because growing up, I had a, another aunt, my aunt Anne. She would have me uh, cooking chitlins and pizza, mm-hmm. which was probably child abuse. Um, <laughs> making pineapple upside down cakes, and so I really got my my foundation in food, and then ultimately becoming a foodie from my aunt Anne. But I, I really cook. Like uh, I, today's been a busy day, but I stopped this evening and uh, I cooked a, a baked rigatoni for my mom and I. Oh, okay. Uh, she got to eat real good, and she's been spoiled this pandemic because yeah, I've not I've not been off the road this much since 2012. Yeah. So you know, being off the road. She she gets on the phone with one of her best friends and I and like girl you be making these fancy meals all these things gonna get used to it. Listen when I when I when I'm going again she ain't gonna know how to be able to handle me being you know mm-hmm. not making these uh, these decadent extraordinary food delight uh, you know. No. What's your specialty? Any specialty? My specialty is whatever I just cooked. So the the rigatoni was today's specialty. Um, <laughs> You know, I like a I like a real busy salad, um, but you know, I the other day I did shrimp and grits. Mm. Uh, people love my, my cabbage, yeah. my kale. You know, I just I just like to cook, and uh, and then I, you know I have some original recipes, but I follow a good recipe too. So there are a lot of chefs that I really like, and uh, because I can follow a recipe well, I reinterpret some of their dishes. So I've been watching a lot of this young lady named Cartier Brown, who has a show on the Food Network called Deliciousness Brown. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes. her food is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So I've been making a lot of chicken salad. And um, I don't eat pork, but I use her pork chop Neither. recipe to make my mama some pork chops the other night. <laughs> and she's been eating off of the pork chops for two or three days. So. No, that's super amazing. Absolutely. And each and every week, uh, John, on the Finesse Media Podcast, I ask our finessers who have joined us. So, again, thank you for joining this episode because you're definitely someone who's finessing the game. But I ask my finesse, who's that person for you that's either professionally or personally, that you say that's finessing the game for you? You know, that's a really good question. There are lots of good people finessing the game. Um, I, you know, if I look at uh, a good friend of mine, April Ryan. Um, mm. you know, April Ryan is somebody who was a diligent White House reporter. Delta Sigma mm-hmm. Theta. Oh, Theta. Yeah, yes. She was a diligent White House reporter through five presidents. She, she at this point, has worked 24 years in the White House. But for 20 years, April was there working for a small, um, little known to the mainstream syndicated radio company and um, just asking the questions that black people wanted to hear. And then all of a sudden, she um, you know, was attacked by the administration, started getting pushed back uh, from the last administration, and it ultimately thrust her into becoming a household name. And so I think she's finessed the game because she's capitalized off the moment. She really has expanded her brand. She's making these opportunities and, and this whole experience work for her. And it also is um, a reminder to folks like me who, you know, television has been my second act. And, you know, I came into the television game, you know, in my 30s. You know, I, I wish maybe if life would have been differently, I could have got a jump start on my television game and come in in my 20s. So, but I look at somebody like April who's got, a significant amount of age on me, 
Um, but it just shows you that no matter uh, when and no matter how, God can bless you in his own time. And here's somebody who is just happy being a great worker, uh, taking care of her daughters as a single mom, and just communicating to the uh, engaged audience that she had. But God honored her with a larger platform, and she is making that thing work for her and capitalizing off every moment. So April Ryan will be somebody I think is really finessing the game right now. No, April is amazing. She is is, is definitely a, a short lady with a stick. She recently spoke at my alma mater, the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, and most students, if not all, were wowed by her message. And she is again a member of Delta Sigma Theta, so she 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 speaks with a strong fist. Uh, but a lovely lady she is. Um, before I get you up out of here, I, I always like for our guest that definitely has been in the game and that has shed light and had given value so much to the culture. What would you say so, uh, to someone, John, who's looking to start to be into entertainment, journalism, or just reporting? What advice, what advice would you give to that person? You know, I just think you need to figure out what, what exactly it is that you want out of the business and, and determine what the path is to get you there. You know, uh, the entertainment industry is not an easy business to get into. You face a lot of rejection. Uh, and in my first act of my career, I was really blessed because I was able to carve a niche for myself in a market that did not have a community uh, in the entertainment industry. Uh, I was able to build a national name just using uh, the Internet. Uh, this was really before social media. Mm. I think maybe we had Black Planet when I started in the business. <laughs> um, hey, that's coming back, too, I heard. Yes, They're working on it. We'll see. Um, but I was really able to. To, to build an audience doing that. And um, I, but in addition to wanting to be in the business, I studied the business. And so when I was down in Norfolk state, I didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, my money went towards my education. It went towards my books. And so on the weekends and stuff, I would take a little bit of money and go buy me uh, a chai latte at borders books and music. And I would spend hours reading billboard and variety and studying the music business and learning about Hollywood. So that I could speak the language of the business. I, if I encountered entertainers or executives, I knew stats and information. I became a sponge. I wanted. I was a student of the business even before I was in the business. And so that when I actually got in the business, I interned at a radio station in Washington, D.C., which really opened the doors for me. That's where I met um, my first friend who happens to be a celebrity, Coco from SWV. And we're still thick as thieves. We're Bonnie and Clyde to this day. Um, but the reason why in my internship, you know, interns sometimes are, uh, are the gophers. They're the, you know, the lowest on the totem pole. You're working for free. But entertainers will come into the market and call the program director and say, hey, can you find John and have him come spend the day with me? Because it was just something about me and me knowing about them and my energy and me being fun and me being nice that they liked being around me. And so being able to build authentic, organic relationships with people of influence in this business uh, also was a blessing for me. So the other part of my uh, advice would be uh, relationships sometimes can take you further than even your talent ever can. There's so many talented people that don't get big breaks. Mm-hmm. They're sitting on the sideline waiting for somebody to get them an opportunity, and all you need is for somebody to help you open the door, or at least tell you where the door is for you to kick it open yourself. So build great relationships, be kind to people, and operate with integrity. You know, so, it's so many people you can look at, uh, do ratchet and unethical and just terrible things mm-hmm. and there are some success stories from working in that way but i i'm here to tell you that doing things on the up and up with integrity and being good to people you sleep well at night you like who you see in the mirror and yeah, sometimes yeah. you might feel like the tortoise and not the hare but it's still a pathway to success that you can be proud of uh when you you know when it's all said and done and when people talk about the impact that you've made the impact that you've given to us and our listeners this episode, John. Thank you so much. Truly, truly, man. Thank you so much. I, I've, I've watched your career uh, for many, many years. I can't even go back to when I started or I even how I discovered you, my brother. But since um, following you, I, I said, man, if I could speak to this brother and pick his brain and hear different things. And then it was recently I know that you were alumni of an HBCU. And I'm like, oh, man, this is what I'm all about as an alumni. Mm-hmm. So, again, thank you, sir, for joining the podcast uh, and, and taking this time to speak with my co-host and, and I tonight on, and having yeah. this conversation. And as you want to say, relationships matter. Let people know how they can keep up with you and stay connected because you can perhaps change the life of somebody else. 
Absolutely. Listen, my mom spelled my name uniquely, so I'm John, J-A-W-N. Anybody who's listening for Philly, I know that's one of your slangs. But find me online at John, J-A-W-N, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y. That's my name. It's on Twitter. It's on uh, Instagram. It's on YouTube. And then add world to the end, and you can get me on Facebook. But, yeah, I'm active on social media, uh, very engaged. Um, and, um, and as long as you ain't talking crazy, I try to talk back to people and stuff, too. And, and Ken, we could have probably had a conversation at a wedding we were both at about uh, <laughs> what was that? About nine years ago. I don't know what wedding are you talking about, John. I haven't been to no wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you said we happened to both be at Sherry Shepherd's wedding in Chicago, but we both were snacking on some Garrett popcorn. You should have came and tapped me on my shoulder then, man. I should have. I should have. But you know, it was so many different people in the room, and I was just being like grateful to be in that space. Um, Karen Dupiche, uh, I'm not sure if you know her, but that was the girl I, I was thinking about. I love out. Karen Dupiche. That's Listen, my friend, man. That is my girl. Karen Dupiche kept coming up to me. At the, I can talk about it now. Karen Dupiche kept coming up to me at that wedding saying, fix your face. Fix your face. Because <laughs> I was not happy to be at that wedding. <laughs> it was crazy. You it was a show good... up for a friend. It was a great time to be in there. I was like in awe. Like I mean, Mishi Nash was to my right. I mean, you had just so many people in the building uh, there that night. So it what was a, a moment! Great time for a bad occasion. That's what, that's, <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And with that being said, y'all. John Murray, thank you for joining the Finesse Media Podcast. <laughs> hey, I, I wish uh, I wish I wish the audio listeners could see how dope Katrina's glasses are. Uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, John. <laughs> All right, I'm 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 gonna go. We wrapping up. Every time you wrap up, I, I start talking again, Ken. I'm gonna let you go. It's all good, man. No, no, I got, you, one, I got one more. Th- I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That means you got to come back. That all, listen, John, that just means you got to come back um, because you definitely got a lot to say and you have a lot to share. I'll see you in the hallways. Uh, okay, I saw maybe that was a hookah. I was like, is that a hookah over there? But that was like a, a drink. No, that's my, it's my water cup. <laughs> I'm hiding the logo on it because they gave me no sponsorship money. This is my water cup. John Murray, man, check him out. Keep up with everything he, he's got going. He's definitely someone to follow. He's someone, that I say, that's finessing the motherfucking game. So oh, join us on this podcast. the motherfucking game. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me on this episode is my sorrow, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, Dr. Katrina Sparks. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Uh, and, John, I'll see you in the hallways of Clubhouse, bro. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, we'll talk. And you've been All listening right. to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media. I'll see you next week with something brand new. Peace. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>